Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges. This podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Please go to batman-on-film.com for all the latest, greatest, unspoileriest, splendiferistiest news, or something like that. Um, today, we have a very special guest here uh, from the uh, Batman the Animated Series uh, podcast, Alexander Robson. How the hell are you, my friend? JJ, you can call me Alex. That's fine. Right. <laughs> uh, the only time I'm ever called Alexander is when my family is mad at me. So I instantly felt like, oh, I've done something <laughs> wrong. You, uh, you, you did. You wore a Marvel shirt to a DC podcast. So. <laughs> I did, yeah. I've already screwed this up. Uh, yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I will I will say this, though. I, I can forgive the shirt because... Um, uh, about 10 or, oh my God, 11 years ago now, because I'm old. Um, my sister and I were going to meet Stan Lee in uh, Charlotte, uh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina? yeah, Charlotte, North Carolina at a, at a Heroes Con. And, and she, you know, we're getting dressed and everything. She puts on her shirt and I was like, and she puts on a Batman shirt and I said, uh, what the fuck are you wearing? She's like, wearing a Batman shirt. I'm like, we're meeting Stan Lee today. You are not wearing a goddamn Batman shirt. You change that right now. And she started laughing. I was like, I'm serious, dude. She yeah. Like, okay. And she puts on a cap. That's like wearing a like a Yankee shirt at like uh I don't know, a Red Sox game. You know what I mean? You, exactly. Yes. You don't do that. <laughs> so I, I saved her some embarrassment there. I never got a thank you, but whatever. It's okay. <laughs> um so you and your brother are the hosts of the Spider-Man animated series podcast and the Batman animated series, which just launched the as of this recording uh, a few months ago, like two or three months yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, so we started with Spider-Man. We've been doing it for five years now. Oh, wow. uh, a show that we loved, that we watched growing up, that we think is the definitive Spider-Man. I mean, mm -hmm. so many plot lines taken from that show and used in the movies, especially in Sam Raimi's versions. Yep. So finding that source material and discovering or rediscovering the episodes uh, was great fun and then we've had the pleasure of having people come on the show that were a part of that animated series from actors to writers to the headliner the producer of the show john semper and it's been an absolute blast and i love that show with all of my heart but there's always been batman the animated series mm -hmm. that has and it's not a competition but as a kid i just gravitated more to Batman, just inherently. I love Spider-Man, and there was a time and a place for him that I really dug, especially with the animated series. But Batman was was my dude. He was my go-to hero. And oh. the animated series is the most definitive version of Batman, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people believe that as well. So, yeah, we, we just... After we built up our audience with Spider-Man, and we didn't want to compete with so many Batman podcasts, just starting out so yeah. we thought let's do spider-man and then we'll come to batman once we have an audience and we finally gotten there um we've got a great following we love all of our listeners and we started batman the animated series podcast last september because it was the 30th anniversary of the show mm -hmm. so i had great high hopes where i was like 
okay, there's some goals that I want to set out with this show. And those have been getting voice actors, writers, directors on Batman, the animated series, just like we did for Spider-Man. And obviously my number one choice was Kevin Conroy. And I was so fucking gutted (laughs) when literally, uh, I don't know, a month after we started, a couple months after we started, um, he sadly passed away. So yeah, that was, that was such a huge hit for me. It, It quite, it affected me more than I thought it would, to be honest, because he has always been my Batman, but one thing that always made me feel better is there's so much Batman content that he's given his voice to that will live on forever. Um, So just like this movie we're reviewing today, same thing, you know, we've got Conroy back in the Cape and Cow and yeah, I, I just, I love Batman, the animated series and really enjoying going through with my brother. Um, I suppose if anybody doesn't know, my brother is a DC Comics writer and artist. He's mm-hmm. worked for he's worked for Marvel. He's worked for IDW. I mean, all of the publications. He's um, had many great jobs and many great books over the years. Right now, he's with DC and he's doing Batman stuff, which is perfect and aligns perfectly with our podcast. So mm-hmm. that's been great fun to to chat about. Um, we always have a little segment where we chat about what he's drawing and what he's up to. Um, as well as he's launching a Kickstarter for his uh, zombie anthology. It's the first ever zombie anthology book coming out right now. It's called Outbreaks, and it's kind of like Black Mirror, but where they focused on technology as being the main focus of each episode. This sure. focuses on this focuses on zombie stories. What would you do in, in, in this outbreak situation, or like how would it affect this scenario? And taking themes like in, you know injecting film noir in there, and like really having fun and playing with that genre. So uh, that's about to launch as well, uh, literally tomorrow of, of this recording. It's going to be so. If you go to Kickstarter and check out Outbreaks, um, share it around, support them however you can. That would be awesome. And there is all of my plugs condensed <laughs> into about three minutes. I'm sorry for ranting. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, you definitely, you know, we're, we're, you know, kindred spirits in that way that part of the Spider-Man and Batman animated series are definitive for me. Um, you know, I remember um, being a kid and growing up watching the Spider-Man show and and always being confused why a Spider-Man movie was never made. It took like, you know, I know like the history now as an adult, I, I love behind the scenes stories and everything. So, you know, I've, I've read up, you know, a bazillion times on these things. And uh, even on the other show, I'd interviewed uh, Sean O'Connell, who wrote the With Great Power book, uh, which kind of chronicles Spider-Man's history through the big screen. Um, and, and same with Batman, you know, and. And, you know, it's it's funny because I, I would joke, it's an audio format, but I almost don't know how to describe my love of Batman, right? You know, it's, uh, yeah. it, it, it does something, and and like the way Kevin Conroy always put it, it's like, well, you know, it's like he's a man, he's, he's, you know, he's flesh and blood, he can be killed. And and I think that's part of it, but but the other part of it is that, well, but but he also kind of isn't, is he? Like, he, he's like in a weird way, literally a Superman, right? You know, that right. trained his body and mind to be perfect. Um, but I think there's something great about how, um, uh, especially Batman, and, and this story in particular, where he he really tries, and, and the animated series did this really well, where he, he doesn't, he wants to help people, you know, like he has this dark brooding, violent nature, 
but down deep, he really wants to help people. He really wants to save them, you know, and, and it's such a, a noble goal, isn't it? You know, right. You know, it's not just. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. I mean, we just reviewed uh, an episode called the underdwellers on mm-hmm. the animated series, which is typically one that people don't like. And we were quite hesitant going into it going, Oh boy, this is going to be rough. And <laughs> turns out, uh, it was better than we expected. We actually, oh, yeah. we actually quite enjoyed it. And one of the main things that we really liked was seeing how Bruce or Batman in this case, um, how dedicated he was to finding these, these orphans in the sewers that have been led down there by this awful guy called the sewer King yeah. and literally taking one in, taking one into his home, you know, cause he's an orphan. So mm-hmm. he wants to, he wants to give this orphan a life that he had, because even though he lost his parents and it was a terrible tragedy, you know, he still has Wayne Manor. He still has Alfred. He still has all this money. He has lots of things that other kids who lost their parents didn't have or don't have. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it, even in the episode, it means a lot to him. Like he almost kills the sewer king like yeah. a couple of times because he's, he just, he's so disgusted by what someone can do to an innocent child who's an orphan that's lost things already. So we really, yeah, rescuing people, saving them. And he's still a man, as you said, like, yeah, he's this Superman mm-hmm. uh, in quotes, which is, you know, I always liked that about him as a kid. I was like, man, you know, that's not achievable. But as a kid, I was like, I if I really dedicated myself, I could be Batman if I really wanted to. Right. Yeah. Because. Yeah. I don't need to be bitten by a spider or come from another planet in order to be a superhero. I just need to be able to acquire great wealth, which uh, fuck all can I do now with that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and then got to train my body to the pinnacle of its perfection, which again, fuck all can't do that. But as (laughs) as a kid, it was like, it was so appealing to me to be like, I could be the greatest detective in the world and yeah and saving people is is what heroes are all about so yeah i think he's he's the the greatest superhero and i use super in the best way possible there because i don't think you need powers in order to be labeled super and i think he is the best superhero in the world i i 100 percent agree uh despite also hosting a uh, just like you a spider-man podcast (laughs) (laughs) um even when i met uh, tom king who you know just finished a run on on the batman comic books you know, I, I go up to meet him and I was handing out business cards for my Spider-Man podcast. He goes, oh, who's your favorite character? I'm like, all right, let's give me a little tricky. Um, I'm hosting a Spider-Man podcast and here's the information, but I do love Batman. And then we get into like a five minute discussion about Batman. Nice. Uh, so that so that was fun. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, what's what's great about the character is that there's there's kind of and I, I I love this term, you know. There, there's there's an emotional reality to it, right? You know that that the world can be dark and the world can be scary, but it's it's up to us to try and make it less scary and less dark. And I think Batman is Batman sort of ironic in that sense that he is very much a dark character, but he tries his hardest to bring light and hope and justice to the world. Um, and you know, there's a great line in uh, in Justice League, uh, the the animated series, when they think that Superman has died, and you know, and he's talking to the the memorial, and he says, you know, you showed me that justice doesn't always have to come from the shadows, 
and that line always stuck with me because it's like, you know, it, it shows the great comparing and contrasting of who Superman and Batman are. And, yeah. and, and I think that Batman... And how they learn from one another as well. Yes, exactly. And, and Batman, you know, they, they have a lot of respect for each other, but at the same time, they're going to butt heads and go, no, this is the way things are done. Well, no, this is the way things are done. Yada, yeah. yada. And, and I think that when it comes to the performances, whether it was Tim Daly or Kevin Conroy, or excuse, Tim, Tim Daly or George Newbern, that, you know, they, they, they had a good chemistry together, right? You know, they, they felt they like did, they, yeah. they were, you could feel like they were best friends. And I love that about that. Yeah, I do too. I mean, they were like the world's finest, you know, offset right. as well together. They were Batman and Superman. Um, two things about that episode. Um, one, Conroy's delivery of those lines by the memorial are yeah. so good. So, yeah. so good. Um, he really knew how to bring a lot of weight into his voice when he needed to. Yes. And, and a lot of emotion. Like when he's, you know, even Mask of the Phantasm, when he's pleading with his parents' grave to, like, release him from his vow because he's fallen in love. Yeah. What, I, I would, I would literally, I would be amazed if someone could go, I know a sadder scene in a Batman movie because I don't <laughs> think it exists. Nope. I think that's the saddest <laughs> scene in Batman ever. Yes. Uh, it's so brilliantly delivered by Conroy. So there's that. And there's also the fact that, as we were talking about Batman, Superman, they're learning from one another. And even though they come from two very different worlds, literally, mm -hmm. um, they, you know, they learned how to work with one another to, to not only uh, increase their power, I suppose, or their, their, their chance to do good, but um, also to grow as people, right? Like in how yeah. to learn, like, but what's crazy to me about that is that Superman is literally an all-powerful being, right? Like he's a dude with so many powers. And usually when someone is that overpowered in other stories, Greek mythology or something like that, they couldn't give a shit about listening to anyone else because they're like, I'm an all-powerful being. Like I don't need any advice. I don't need you. It, but the fact that a human being had that effect on someone like that like i know superman obviously you know he he's here to do good and he would never see the world like that but it's just crazy to me that a dude with like endless powers and abilities mm -hmm. is listening to a, a a guy that it just you know flesh and blood it's crazy <laughs> yeah. it, it it's it's great storytelling and it's why when you know on, on that tangent for another minute like when people complain about like superman being too powerful or like you know how, how can he be relatable i'm like you've never read a good superman story then or you've never watched justice league because i i think he's 100 percent relatable you know who can't relate to growing up feeling awkward in your own body and and really just wanting to be a good person at the end of the day like yeah. that's, i mean that, we were just a relatable off, story <laughs> we were just talking off part about how much um we liked the donna movies right yes, and like yeah. I, I just literally watched superman one yesterday um as i said and how great christopher reeves is where he brings how relatable is that where you're like i'm pretending to be someone i'm not in yeah. order to hide the true person i am because that is the only way i'm going to be able to protect the people around me and keep everyone safe and not try and glorify these abilities and not try and hug the spotlight not try to be famous literally yeah do something that you know through his period of his his journey 
he's learned to be selfless. I mean, yep. that is that's such an amazing lesson. So yeah, and I'm watching Superman the animated series. Look, I'll admit. I didn't like Superman as a kid, right? I was pure Batman, and I was just like, <laughs> Superman is lame. But yeah. I eat those words now, and he's so relatable. And as I've gotten older, I could, I relate to him more and more. Yeah. And I really like that. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of, of the the man in blue. The uh, I mean, comic books in general, and, and, and I think that these Bruce Timm uh, animated series um, really – they captured the spirit of these characters extremely well. And uh, it's funny now that I think about it, that Batman, the animated series adapted a lot of uh, straight comic book stories, like moon of the wolf or whatever, you know, uh, demons quest were lifted right from the books. Yep. Whereas like, I, it's a brand new animated series. I don't think they did that now that I think about it. <laughs> no, that's um, true. They didn't. And you know what? He's got some great villains that like that show yep. really, um exemplifies and shows off like i love parasite i think he's an amazing villain oh yeah i think he's he's got a really cool power that i was like yeah that would mess up superman and how he can not only take the power but their memories as well so the moment he touches superman he's like oh that's right i remember you're clark kent i'd be like yeah. oh fuck <laughs> you know, that's crazy or, or metallo which i just think is like the i mean such a great performance by malcolm mcdowell oh yeah um, yeah and he's the terminator you know and right with, with the, the kryptonite, kryptonite heart. heart yeah yeah <laughs> wicked it's such a cool villain so yeah he's uh he's got some good rogues that people underestimate i think yeah it, it very much so um and it's it's a shame that the movies and hopefully james gunn will not do this but you know the movies you know they they think that zod and Lex Luthor are the only ones for some reason. I know. Give us some Brainiac, right? Like, yeah. I want to see Brainiac so bad. Yeah. There's so many amazing Brainiac stories, and it would make so much sense right. to kick off your new your new DCU and your new Superman by bringing a villain live action that has so much uh, ties to Superman's past, mm -hmm. as well as something we'd never seen before. Like, I th with technology the way it is now, and like everyone, you know, like the Bond movies are. It, just flushed with technology and they're trying to stay up to date and show us things even nolan's batman did that right like hey right. these things kind of exist like do that with brainiac that would be yeah. wicked it, it it's and it, you know and the only limits these days seems to be your imagination in terms of like what they can do with movies anyway yeah. um and you know like i i you know we just saw uh ant-man and the wasp uh quantumania and it was an okay movie, but at the same time, like I've heard mixed reviews, <laughs> yeah. But still, watching it and going, man, like I never thought, you know, not that I was like a huge Kang fan as a kid, but I never thought I'd see Kang, especially with a blue face in mm. in a movie or anything. You know, I mean, Wolverine wasn't even allowed to wear yellow for you know ten straight movies. You know, yeah. Um, oh, that we're about to see that with Hugh Jackman coming yep. back. I'm sure. I'm I'm very much looking forward to that for sure. Yeah. Um, but, um, but uh, you know, getting back on topic here. So our, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. We yeah. got a lot of tangents. Also, yeah. I was thinking as I was like t talking about how much I love Batman and mm -hmm. what he means to me and all of his amazing abilities and traits that he has. I was thinking, is JJ just hyping me up because we're about to talk about a movie that doesn't exemplify those <laughs> as much as I would like. It was almost like, I'm going to fill you with so much love for Batman before we talk about this particular film. Well, let me, well, let me ask you, um, 
where do you rank the the Joker uh, among the the Bat Rogues? Like, is is he your favorite, or is he top ten, or you don't like the Joker? You know, what, what's what's your ranking of him? I think if if there's anyone out there that doesn't like the Joker, what's wrong with you? Because he's <laughs> he's a perfect villain, mm-hmm. um, and it's so weird because you would think, okay, well you've got Batman. What, who could his arch nemesis be? You know, like Superman, it's usually someone that, well, it's like Lex Luthor, but he's the he's the smartest man on Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's brain and brawn. You're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That matches it. But for Batman, you're like, how about a crazy clown? You're like, what? How did you get there? You know, it, it doesn't make sense, but it works so well um yeah i hate to be cliche but the joker is the best villain and you know film and tv have proved that countless times they use him all the time because he's just so rich with uh, interpretation because he's such a chaotic mess that you can literally be like i'll cherry pick these things out and that's Mm going to be my joker you know yeah whether you like those interpretations or not i get it but yeah he he is just such a complex character um, so he's number one for me, for sure. I, I definitely agree. And I think what what works about the characters is that you have uh, Batman, who typically is very scary. And um, like, but you have the Joker, who is is a clown and clowns are supposed to be like gentle and funny and, you know, supposed to be, just you know, like n- not not evil right even though right. for some reason you know pop culture and entertainment loves to make evil clowns right you know i mean there's a reason that uh Stephen King and i think the, i honestly <laughs> think the joke i think the joker started that to be honest with you like yeah there's always been some scary clowns around but the joke is a very old character yep. and i can't think of many others before him that would embody a like serial killer clown you know like john wayne gacy came after him there's so many other people that yeah have influenced these this sort of clowns are scary now but i think the joker's always been the 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 og well there's and i think that there's a reason that this story has has resonated with people because you get you kind of get an origin for the joker you know or so to speak right because you know if i'm going to have an origin i prefer to be multiple choices that is the is the catch or is the kind of joke in the story, right? You know, what's the, what's... the get out of jail free cards. Right. That, right. Uh, that Alan um, Moore set out. Yeah. Right. And, and even in, in the, and the interesting thing about this story was that it was just supposed to be kind of a one-off, like out of continuity, you know, take it as you will story. And then it ended up becoming canon, you know, with, um, you know, with Barbara Gordon being paralyzed and becoming Oracle and um with um uh you know the even the 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 joker origin in a sense has sort of been or at least the red hood aspect of it has been you know repurposed into the main continuity and then obviously becomes you know jason todd now and and i think that that's really fascinating that the story that you know alan moore is kind of disowned (laughs) you know like he doesn't really uh you know, well, yeah, he doesn't like to associate himself with any of his works so as put it out in any sort of media besides his original work. And and he's just sort of, which I think is odd anyway, when, you know, you have like the Watchmen movie, which was, you know, pretty good. 
But then you have like the Watchmen TV series. It's like, you, you, why wouldn't you want your name associated with that? That was fucking fantastic, you know? Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Our, our, us English people are weird, man. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> we're, we're weird people. If people like something we do too much, we're almost just like, I want to step away because it's almost like too, we don't like too much praise, I think, as, <laughs> a, as a country, as a people. We're like, all right, calm it down. Like, we know you like it, but just stop going on about it now. You know, so maybe, that, maybe that's what Alan Moore's suffering from. Well, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, so one, one kind of random question I have here. So when the book originally came out, uh, Batman had the yellow oval. And then when they re-released it about like, you know, I want to say like 10, 15 years ago, they took away the yellow oval. They, they, you know. Do you know what? I didn't know that. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't know why, but DC always sort of prefers Batman without the yellow oval. Um, what's mm. what's your preference? Because I love the yellow oval. I think it's such a cool I, look. I, I adore the yellow oval. Mm -hmm. And um, they're, they're at like with the animated series. Um, there are aspects of the new adventures that I like when they redesigned all the characters. Yeah. And uh, there are looks of some of the characters I like. Joker is not one of them. Nope. But uh, <laughs> the other one is I thought I liked the, the new adventures Batman more until I've been rewatching, obviously, for the podcast, the original ones and the original version of Batman. And I'm like, he looks so much better and so much cooler with the yellow oval his belt the way it is it's a brighter yellow i love the blue in his cape and cowl as well which yep. you don't get um he just looks so much uh, richer as a as a like a color palette you know for, to, interesting to look at so yep. the oval yeah that attracts me and it it works right you got yellow oval yellow belt so like you have it's like if you're going to put on an outfit if you're going out for, I don't know, on a date or something, yeah, you're not going to just wear yellow shoes without having some other yellow in your clothing to, <laughs> yeah. to go with it. Otherwise, right. it looks weird, right? So the yellow belt without the yellow oval, I've always been like, well, that looks a bit funny to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no. I'm a big fan. No, I, I, I totally agree. And, and I always like the idea, like in The Dark Knight Returns, there's a line where he says, you know, I, I wear it so that it's a target on my chest, which kind of makes sense, you know. Like, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. And, and same with, like, the big Superman S, right? You know, they're not that, like, if they shoot Superman in the face, like, he'll be fine. But, like, for Batman, it, it practically makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it's it's such an odd choice. And and also, like, the when you look at, like, more recent versions of the book where they took away the yellow oval, which looks weird because it looks like... <laughs> because if you're going to design the Bat logo without the yellow oval it needs to be a little bit bigger and make more and I don't know, it just it, it just it's just an odd look but you know, I mean that's a whole other discussion <laughs> yeah, yeah sure uh, yeah no I, I know what you mean it's yeah it was um can I can I talk about the animation in this in this oh, yeah. film yeah um so there are moments where I'm like oh yeah that's lifted straight out of the book yeah like yep. in particular uh, they're more stills than animated cells. Mm -hmm. So like when Batman goes to visit the Joker in Arkham and you've just got his, like there's a spotlight above him. You can't see his face. It's shadowed. His eyes are shadowed, but they're making like ovals. You can see his cheekbones and you can see like where his jawline narrows, but it's like, he looks like a demon in the dark. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, fuck that's, that's exactly out of the books. Mm -hmm. uh, that looks great but it's a still like he's not moving. The only time I noticed something was like 
really pulled out the books was there's a moment where when Joker has kidnapped Gordon and like the circus turns on and the camera, it's almost like a, like a fisheye lens. It's like straight in his face. Yeah. He's got these, like this bewildered look in his eyes and he looks like, like happy and crazy all at once. And I was like, Oh wow. That looks a lot like the book. And it's also animated as well as when he takes the red hood off and, you know, he's got that crazy look, which is on the back of all of the killing joke books is that image right. or on the inside cover. So I liked bits of it, but most of it, I was like, this seems like it, it has nothing to do with the killing joke whatsoever. Like mm. the animation, um, and just the style of it. I was like, I don't feel like I'm seeing the book come to life on screen. I see little glimmers, but I don't feel like I'm watching the killing joke, um, for the first time, you know, in any sort of format outside of the book. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's partially, you know, where it's, it's odd because they, with a lot of these projects, like, you know, when they did Dark Knight Returns in Batman year one, they try their best to make, make it look just like the book come to life. And for those two projects, they pretty much succeeded, I think. Um, yeah. And then they nailed those. They looked yeah. amazing. And it's just, I think it's, but with different artists, you know, like Brian Boland's art doesn't necessarily lend itself to like an animation style. So they tried to, you know, adapt it as best they could. And, and there's a part of me that kind of goes, kind of just wish it had looked like the animated series i think that would have been kind of cool too especially mm. since we're, we're talking conroy mark hamill and Tara strong as these characters yeah. um and and don't get me wrong like i i think but i think the best looking character uh in, in the movie is, is batgirl i think she looks like uh partially because she's not technically she's not in the book right she's barbara gordon but right. you know it like brian ballins art just doesn't translate to animation, which is totally fine, of course. But it's like yeah, Batman's ears looked really weird most I don't of the time. Like them, yeah, <laughs> no, they looked like someone stuck them on with like silly glue or something. Like they yeah. just look so disjointed. They're it, weird. I, I, you know, but I agree with you that there are shots that look really good. Like one shot, like when the Joker pulls his mask down, and mm. and his mask looks kind of off. Like that looks like from the book, I think. Um, yeah. So there's there's bits of it that that are fine. Um, but uh, yeah, but but I agree with you. And again, I, I go back to the the bat logo. That it's just it's it's like tiny little logo where I'm like I'm like squinting. as like, is he wearing the logo? Like, yep, mm. yep, there it is. Okay, all right, yep. You know, whereas like yeah. it, in the original story, you know, back in like '88, it you know it had the it had the yellow oval, so it helped. Yeah, it's almost eye. like they they it's almost like they went further back in time and like Batman's first appearance or mm -hmm. one of the earlier appearances of Batman. He's got the weird ears, yeah, and he's got a very small, just solid black logo on his chest, and they mm -hmm. it's almost like they went for that. But yeah, they didn't need to for the Killing Joke. That's not a story that that has that vibe, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm just going to come out and say it because <laughs> I was I was holding this. Um, yeah, so in my, again, this is my opinion. In my opinion, um, this film was a big letdown mm -hmm. um, for the reasons that everybody knows, so I won't go into it. But the first half an hour, 35 minutes, is a story that has nothing to do with The Killing Joke. No. And essentially, 
they're trying to make you feel for Barbara and her relationship to Bruce, as well as showing that she's a strong character and she's literally not just going to be someone that's just gunned down just for the sake of a plot device, right? They try to give her more character. I think that backfires on them tremendously because they turn her into a sex object. That's all they do in this film. Like, I'm watching it and I'm like, so all it is for her is she's this sex object that like Batman is trying to control and also literally has sex with on the roof. And there are scenes like even after that whole intro, which I thought was pointless. I didn't like the villain, the mobsters, none of that appealed. I was like, I feel like I'm watching a totally different story here. Like I'm watching episode four and then I'm watching episode 20. I'm like, where's the connection? Right. But the weirdest thing for me is that, even after all of that, Barbara's like going for a jog and the camera just zooms in on her ass and it just stays on her ass. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, why? What? The animators had to do that. And I'm like, why? Why are yeah. we? You, you're trying to make her this strong willed character that like isn't just going to be gunned down and like it seems weak and everything. But I think it, it just it objectifies her in the worst possible way, in my opinion. And it just, it wasn't needed. And I was like, fucking hell, when is this going to get to the killing joke? You know, when are we going to get there? And then when we did get there, JJ, I'll tell you, <laughs> I think this is Kevin Conroy's worst performance as Batman. Really? I honestly could not get my head around how dull he was in this film. He didn't have the weight in his voice that we were talking about before. And I know it's a different story. So maybe he's tweaking his Batman to match with what was in the book. Cause Batman is quite flat in the book as well, I suppose. But I don't know, man. I just felt like Conroy, the fans wanted it for so long. Conroy and Hamill do the killing joke. Oh my God, this would be the greatest thing we've ever seen. And I, maybe it was just too high of a pedestal. But I, I don't know. It just didn't. I'm holding back a lot more criticism. And I'll just say, I don't think he brought his A game to this like he usually does. Um, I I don't disagree, but I'll I'll tell you why I why I think you think that, uh, which is because they weren't together when they recorded. Unlike in the animated series, they were always together when they recorded. Right. Because uh, Hamill was doing the Star Wars movies. Um at the time, you know, the, the sequels. So, uh, you know, so they recorded separately and, you know, in, in the, it's one thing for like the video games where, you know, they're, they're doing literally like hundreds of thousands of takes on those things. Um, yeah. Where like with these movies, there's kind of a, a faster um, uh, production time, you know, so. Yeah. And also, you know, video games, they'll feed you line for line because you've got to do a billion grunts. You've got to do a, right. a, a thousand different ways of saying like, oh, look into it, like or something, you know, like that. Yeah. Whereas this is this is a story and they mm-hmm. they they're used to playing off one another for stories. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Um. So, yeah, that's maybe that is why, because I really felt that it was just a disjointed performance um, from Conroy. And I feel like Hamill was okay. I love Hamill. He's my favorite Joker of all time. Yeah. The animated series version especially is the best Joker I've ever, ever seen. Oh, yeah. He's he's fun and he's crazy and he's scary. And I love that they they bring all those aspects. 
and I don't think we've we've seen that. We've come close with Jack Nicholson's Joker, but that's the closest, in my opinion, we've seen to that. But um, yeah, sorry, go sorry. ahead. Yeah, no, um, I was just gonna say, yeah, it's um, and, and I think that having uh, Conroy and Hamill in the film is, you know, in a way, kind of like the Arkham games. Uh, if from my perspective, it, it's it's like a a spiritual sequel to the animated series, right? You know, um, and, and the Arkham games were written by Paul Dini, so obviously that's, you know, almost entirely you know, a spiritual sequel as much as they can be. Um, whereas with this, it's it's the vocal performances, but, uh, and, and I do agree with you that, you know, the performances aren't the best, but I will say that I think the, the ending scene where they, you know, Batman reaches his hand out for the Joker and the Joker tells that joke, that scene I think is fantastic. Um, I think yeah. they're both great in that scene. I'll, I'll I'll say that I enjoyed I enjoyed that scene for what it was. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't. I mean, again, when you're reading a comic, right? Because obviously that's taken right out of the books. When you're reading a book, um, your own imagination and the voices that you hear, and I hear Conroy's voice every time I read a Batman book, just like I hear Hamill's voice every time I read a Joker book or Joker in a story. Um, mm -hmm. So I've done that a billion times when I've read The Killing Joke. But in my head, because it's my head, my <laughs> delivery was better than the film, right? So I'm always like, oh, that didn't live up to my expectations. And again, I think because I was so hyped for this movie, because I love the story and the fact that it was my two favorite people playing the, the best versions of the characters I've ever seen. Mm. I was so looking forward to it. And I was so let down. Um, and I think that's got to do with some fandom in me for sure like i'm not going to put all the blame on the film i think it's my own fault for putting it too high of an expectation for it to never reach it i suppose but mm. also yeah a half an hour story that really was it can be cut like when i when i watched this movie today i was like i usually skip to the beginning of the killing joke which is halfway through this movie but yeah because we were reviewing it i was like okay i should watch this i actually haven't seen the first half in quite some time not since the first time i ever watched it and i gotta say i'll never watch it again i'll never watch that first <laughs> half again it's I, not good i i'm 100 percent in agreement with you on that um because i think you know you you put it very well too where it's like they were trying to make barbara this very strong you know, independent character, but it, it she just comes across as this like lovesick puppy. Like she's in love with Batman. Yeah. And you know, and that's the reason that she's Batgirl. And and then you have this contrast with this villain who is just upset with her. And it just is is very odd when there's really wonderful back there's a really wonderful Batgirl Joker story. Um it was in a, a book called DC First. And I, I was hoping that that's what they were going to adapt because it's a story that it's it's a flashback story because it takes the present day takes place when it's Cassandra Kane when she was Batgirl. Uh, she's going to take on the Joker by herself for the first time. And Barbara tells her the story about the first time she met the Joker when she was Batgirl. And, and there's a really good bit in it when um, they're fighting and Joker like, you know, shoots and he ends up hitting Batman in the head and they think that he, that he's dead and the Joker freaks out. He's like, I, did I just kill him? I, I hope I didn't kill him. And it's kind right. of a good fit because 
you know, it, like that, like the the Dark Knight, right? He's like, yeah, he's like, I'm not gonna kill you, right? And I I've always thought of that as like the the best version of the Joker, like, and even the animated series was a little bit like that. Like, he doesn't really want to kill Batman; he's like messing with him because yeah. you know, like the um the man like in the Batman. man. I was yeah. just about to say, <laughs> there you go. You know, when he finds out the Batman's actually dead, mm-hmm. he's de- he like he's devastated. You know, yeah. like he doesn't know how to cope with it and. Without Batman, crime has no punchline, which I think is a brilliant line. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I love that version as well. And this version, you know, he's trying to teach Batman a lesson, and he's trying to, you know, one bad day. That's that's what it's all about, right? Like, yep. you're one bad day away from being me, Batman. And I like that concept. Uh, the way he went about proving it, I don't know. I've always, uh, even in the book, I've always been like, okay, you go after Gordon because obviously he's your closest confidant and he represents the law. So I'm going to use that against you, and you're gonna you're gonna break. You're gonna turn into me after I. You see what I've done to Gordon. Uh-huh. Um, I. I like that, but that not just being the only part to his plan. I wish there was more to that plan to prove to Batman that, like, you're one bad day away from being me. Because the plan doesn't work. And I don't feel like Batman's ever challenged enough in this story, right? Like, yes, Barbara is shot and she is, sure, she's disabled for the rest of her life. Um, Or at least that's what we're led to believe. so that's a loss, right? Yeah. And he he's thinking, okay, well, because she's uh, she's Gordon's daughter, and Gordon's connected to me because Joker doesn't know she's bad girl, obviously. Um, that's because of me that she's kind of entangled in this. But Gordon made his own choices as well, and he's part of the police department, so yeah. you know he's not blameless there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just wish that there was like. Uh, death of the family the snyder story i feel like that had stakes right like when batman is sitting at the table and all of his his bat family are basically being used like puppets you know at the joker's will because joker's trying to prove to him that like this isn't your family i'm your family The, the rogues in your in arkham you know we're the ones that make you Batman. These guys make you soft. That is an amazing story told yep. really well. And I felt those stakes where Batman had to make that choice with the matchbook of like, do I kill all of them? Like, I have no other choice. With this, like, when he catches up to Gordon, you know, Gordon is basically like, he's been through hell. Right. Batman really hasn't been through the hell that, you know, Gordon's been through. And Gordon obviously still doesn't want him to kill him. Yeah. And I suppose my question to you is, do you think that Batman kills him at the end? Um, I, I have actually never thought that. And it's so funny because I get asked that a lot, actually. But I I, I never thought that. Um, but I guess and I think the reason I never thought that was because I never read this book as as it being a one off. I always thought of it as being in continuity. So um, but taking it even on its own. I, I didn't think that. Um, and it's so interesting because, um, you know, I, I, I was listening to uh, an interview with Kevin Conroy where they asked him that question and they said, do you think that he, you know, what do you think happens in the end? He says, well, I have an idea. I'm not going to tell you though. And I just thought that was so funny that 
he even he had a thought in his head like what really happened at the end of that um yeah. and you know my my good friend Corey, i was i was talking about earlier he um or off mic actually um he you know he, he always thought that batman embraced him in the end and just you know um understood him at least and and yeah. i i kind of i kind of buy that you know where it's like but i but i get why people say oh i think he killed him in the end and i think like yeah you know i, I can see why you think that but in, in my mind i don't i i've never been a a big batman killing kind of person anyway like it's why like as much as i like batman be superman there's, there's parts of it where i'm just like mm, okay that's a little too much Snyder. i mean he <laughs> For a man that doesn't like guns, he has all the guns in that movie. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, he kills quite a few people in that. And he yeah. literally tries to kill Superman. So. Yep, he um, does. Uh, but, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, but, but you know, I, I think what uh, the story, uh, it, it's interesting you put it that way. It, 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 they're, the, you know, it's like Alan Moore tries to put like uh, emotional stakes in it. That you know, Gordon's gonna break, and then Batman's gonna break. You know, you're we're just one bad day away from being me, which is kind of a sad truth that it, that does happen to a lot of people. But I love the bit in the book when Batman just kind of, you know, and and there's a bit in um, Death of the Family where he does it too. It you know when he just kind of he just kind of fucks with him and says like, no, like, no, not everybody breaks. Maybe it's just you. You know, you're just mm. you just break and. And Joker just can't handle that, and he does. It's one of my favorite Batman bits. Actually, is in uh, this the family when he, you know, he pulls him and he's like, "I know your real name. I know who you are." And Joker yeah. freaks out. You know, <laughs> it's uh, brilliant. Yeah, and that stakes to me. That is, you know, because going back to the one bad day thing again, um, as I mentioned, I didn't really feel the stakes, not just in this movie, but in the book as well even thinking about the book as much as i love the book it's it doesn't have like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because joker in his version of his his backstory he loses his wife and his his future child right like she's right. pregnant they dead that's stakes okay like you've yeah. lost the love of your life your only companion because clearly she's his anchor she holds him down she keeps him grounded she is loving she's supporting him as much as possible and she's carrying their child so that is stakes if you lose that like yeah you potentially especially falling into a vat of acid and the events that led up to him you could become a crazy nutter so you are one bad day away joker had the worst day possible Batman losing Barbara, but not really. And again, Joker doesn't know that she's Batgirl, so it doesn't have the same weight that like he knows it does, but still like she's not dead. And Gordon being put through this like naked torture by all of these, all of these uh, freak show people from a circus, um, you know, like by the time Batman sees him, I don't consider that a bad day for him. Like I can, I almost consider that like, oh, that was that was not too far off from the average night in Gotham. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he, it's because yeah. he goes through this shit every night. Um. So yeah, I just did. I I've never understood how like that's Batman's bad day. Where Death of the Family, I'm like, that's Batman's bad day. Yeah. Right there, because Joker knows that all of these people. 
and their identities, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Alfred Pennyworth, all of that, that that's his loved ones. Yeah. So that's his wife and pregnant child, you know, that's the closest he gets to having a family. So right. that makes sense. Yeah. It it's it's an interesting like like the concept itself is interesting and then you know it and it does feel a little undercooked in a sense where if, if there had just been a little bit more to I'm, it. I'm a chef. That's a great way to put it. Undercooked. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's funny because if you were to talk to uh, like Scott Snyder, I'm sure he would say that the killing joke is the, the, the definitive Joker story. And that's what he was basing his story off of or whatever. When it's like, well, I think you did it better because it maybe because you had a little mm. bit more real estate with like six issues in a comic book versus, you know, just like this, like 48 page, whatever. Um, and and don't get me wrong, it, it's a book and it's and it's classic. And there's, but at the same time, I, what what you know doesn't, because yeah, I kind of agree with you. I, I I don't think of it as like the greatest Joker story ever, um, but I do but I do recognize its importance because I think that having the Joker go, you know, take take things as far as he does is scary, you know, yeah. because you know he's gonna strip Gordon down. He's gonna show him pictures of his you know shot and naked daughter and um and it's so it's like oh my god like you know what you know what the fuck is going on like i'm you know my whole world is unraveling in front of me but i think that what joker doesn't understand is that gordon can be brought back to sanity as soon as batman says hey you know barbara's okay you know he's like okay then i'm all right you know Uh, yeah it's like that's all it takes yeah you know Whereas, here's another example, Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, yeah? Mm -hmm. When we see what he's done to Tim Drake, when we see him turning Robin, his greatest sidekick, into a little Joker demon child. Little JJ. Little JJ. Yeah. um, And he may, you know, and pointing the gun at Batman and like laughing whilst he does it like to Joker he's like there's the you know there's your bad day like mm-hmm. the poetic justice there of like I've taken your ward your psychic and turned him into my crazy psychic and now I'm gonna make him kill you like that's way more stakes and you feel that too because you know when Batman's when he sees what's happened to Tim in that in that flashback like Conroy again brings his a game with his his feelings and his emotions in that moment. Um, And I just don't get that. Like maybe if I got more of that from him in this movie, I'd feel the stakes a bit more. Um, I feel like Hamill, again, I feel like Hamill did okay. Obviously he's playing, you know, Joker before he's Joker in the flashback scenes, whether they're real or not, he's, he's doing that performance. Um, um, But I didn't see the, the Hamill Joker that I love a, a lot in this because he didn't get to have like those menacing fun moments as much as he has had before um along with that song is terrible like that (laughs) song is painful to watch i'm like why did they do this as well yeah it's uh i don't know because well the song is in the book um and and I remember the first time I watched the movie, I, I thought, like, maybe it says something about me that, that that's not, I, I pictured the song kind of going that way. So am I as crazy as the Joker? That's not good. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's, um, 
you know, it, it's it's just sort of an odd. It's 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 like they're trying to juxtapose the idea of the this horrifying thing that Gordon is going through mixed in with this kind of catchy tune that Joker's singing, and it, you you almost just want to be like. I don't know, but like the animation, like the the like the the, the fat woman, you know, kind of just like mm. the way they're dancing and everything. I'm just like, it would almost work better if it was just Joker over the loudspeakers, you know, and you see him on the screens or something, because it just it's like they're trying to animate this musical number, but it's like they ran out of time. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that for sure. Um, as well as you said, I and I forgot that actually it was in the books, but. Mm. I mean, there's a lot in this movie that wasn't in the books that they decided right. to put in. So I, I, I think they could have done without that. You know, like yeah, they've already they've already done a loose interpretation of Killing Joke, as far as I'm concerned. So if it didn't have the song, I don't think fans would have been like, if it had the song, it would have been way better. You know, I think, <laughs> I, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought of it. You know what I mean? Like I I would have totally forgotten it. I would have just been like, oh yeah, there was a song in there, wasn't there? That would have been interesting to hear. And I think that would have been the end of it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like have as a DVD extra. You know what I mean? Like right. a little cut scene. Just yeah, it was um, that was painful to get through. So that's all of my hates that I've just like <laughs> I've just let them all out. And yeah. um, the things I really did enjoy about this movie is one some of the shots which we've already talked about some of the joker shots mm. but some of the shots in general just looked amazing i thought uh the animation at points just was really incredible and looked yeah. great um as much as i hate the intro um and the first 30 minutes of story um they almost trolled us with batgirl going now i know you're not expecting uh, it, it to start this way and i'm like Oh, okay. I see what you're doing there. Yeah. You're basically telling us all like, hey, you're expecting this to start with Batman going to Arkham Asylum? Guess what? It's not. Right. So I almost I almost liked that like tongue in cheek of them putting that in there. Um I thought at at definitely at moments that like Joker just looked so menacing. Like when he when he's got that guy on that rocking horse. Yeah. Um and uh he shakes his hand and then like you know you see like some of the freak show guys like run around and he's like what was that and then he's like i've already convinced your other colleague to sell me i own this land already yeah. and then he's and then and you can't see his face and the way he goes i can see you're happy about that and yeah. just you you know that that guy's been jokerized because he goes completely quiet and like he's still yeah. And I just love that they stay on Joker for so long in that moment and let him just talk, go through it all. And then when he walks away, then you see the guy being like horrible demon smile, like yeah. blood coming out of his eyes. I love that about the Joker. That's something that this movie made me remember that Joker toxin, which we don't see anymore. We haven't seen in so many years, like decades is right what a cool thing for the joker to have that you don't see anymore and it's yeah. i love that it turns him into these grinning like lifeless people it's brilliant it, it's and it's terrifying really you know yeah and, and, and again the idea of like well you know you you know like like smiling re releases endorphins and it's like when you're having a bad day try to try to make yourself laugh you'll feel better and and there's truth to that really you know yeah um and but you know, and but this is the way he kills people is is 
you know, a, a twist on that, you know, like a dark joke, you know, dare I say. Um, yeah, but, it's uh, brilliant. Yeah, well done. Well said. Uh, one of, you know, I think my favorite shot of the movie you, you were talking about a little bit earlier is when they, they turn all the lights on and they're reflected in Joker's eyes. And it, it almost looks like he's crying. You know, it's just yes. it's such a beautiful shot. And, I, and every time I see that, I go, that's so great. Um, and it's funny you talking about like the, the animation um, that you didn't like, like Batman's ears. I really hate the Joker's hair in this. I think it looks so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't not like it, but I didn't think that it looked anything special either. There was one scene where I was like, oh, that kind of looks like his hair in the comics, mm. um, where he was like talking to Gordon on the TV screen. But that was about it. Yeah. You know, otherwise, yeah, you can keep his hair. I don't mind. <laughs> well, it's 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 funny you say that because. I, one of the things that the adaptation did well was they erased some of the cheesier dialogue because there's you know there's the bit when Batman realizes he's in Arkham he's not talking to the Joker he's talking to like a henchman and and he uh is in the book you know Gordon says if you harm one hair on his head and Batman hands him the wig and he says you want his hair Gordon take it you can keep it and, and I remember reading that for the first time going oh jeez. That is a terrible fucking line. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I did, uh, I, I, I like that. I don't know why I like moments like that, but I like when they say something like uh, Batman says, uh, I can't remember. He says something about his his hand when he's when he's sitting there in the jail cell with the Joker and then he says something about his hand and then he sees the smudge of white paint come off the yeah. Joker's hand. And I love that connection. So yeah. I was like, Oh, that was a really cool thing of uh, like connecting that word with that moment, even though he's talking about something completely different with the hand. Yeah. Uh, I like how they stitched that together. But then yes, when he says, if you harm a hair on his head and he hands him the wig, I was like, that's too far. Come yeah. on. <laughs> well, you know, it, I, I think that, um it's it's a great bit and i think that conroy do, does a, a decent job of you know doing that monologue you know it's like you know, perhaps i'll kill you perhaps you'll kill me and because i think it goes to the ending of the book and i think the ending you know the the bit between the two of them um is is so great because you just see batman this this final time pleading to him and going look i can help you like we we you don't need to be alone anymore and the joker you know, and and I think and I think that's one of the uh, Hamill's best performances when he kind of dropped the Joker a little bit, and he right. said it's too late for me, and it's it's heartbreaking really. And then he tells the joke, and then they both laugh. And I think that the way they adapted it, it it's funny because um, you know Bruce Timmis said like there's no equivalent to like a double page splash, you know, in film, right? Mm. You know, w which is true, obviously, but so they when they adapt these things, they do their best to kind of capture these moments as best they can. And I think that having both Batman and Joker laugh and then Joker's laugh stops and Batman keeps laughing was like the best way to convey to the audience like something's happening here, whether it's Batman mm. killing Joker or Joker just stops laughing and Batman keeps laughing or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, it's so it's interesting to to have those moments it uh, would be so fucking awkward if the Joker <laughs> stopped laughing. Imagine not panning away from that and Batman's still laughing. The Joker must be like, all right, dude, like, stop laughing. I get just put the handcuffs on and get me the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> yeah, like, let's go. This is and how we usually do this. That that makes me think of uh, the one episode of The Simpsons where um, 
uh, Homer has to go to Patty and Selma for uh, uh, for, to, to borrow some money. And, oh yeah, uh, and they and they're like, oh, you know, we we own you now, Simpson, and they start laughing maniacally. And then Homer starts laughing maniacally, and then they stop <laughs> laughing, and Homer's like, you know, pounding his fist against the walls and laughing maniacally, <laughs> and they're both like, what is he doing? <laughs> That's exactly that. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I like to go back to my question that I asked you um, about what happens at the end. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I for the longest time I've been like, oh well, in this story, Batman kills the Joker. We just don't mm. see it, and it's almost like it's almost like a party trick, right? Like people that don't know Batman that well have heard of the story or have just read it. You'd be like, wait, well, you know, Batman kills the Joker at the end, right? And they're like, what? And you explain yeah. it. And they're all like, oh, my God. And you feel like a cocky, like, smart son of a bitch, like, sitting there <laughs> drinking a glass of wine, like, that's right. I know everything about Batman. But <laughs> now, you know, uh, looking at it without the those uh, those jaded glasses on, I, yeah, I honestly, I, it would make no sense for him to kill the Joker. Because, again, even though... I don't think he's having that bad of a day, in my mm. opinion. Um, Gordon, it, like, you know, he's still okay at the end. And he basically, he tells him not to kill the Joker. Yeah. Right? Like, he 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 implies that. So it would be so weird if Batman's just like, all right, well, I haven't been tortured naked. And I haven't lost a daughter. Um, but I'm still going to kill you anyway, even though it's against the wishes of the dude that you have been torturing this whole time. Like, yeah. it makes no sense for him to kill him. No. It makes absolutely no sense. And even though Joker says, like, it's too late for me and everything, Batman wouldn't go, okay, well, if it's too late for you, I guess, come here, I'm going to strangle you to death. You know, like, <laughs> right. Batman wouldn't do that. He would just be like, well, I'm never going to give up on you then, because I'm yeah. Batman, and that's what I do. I, I think in the... Uh... The animated series uh, uh, was was always really great about that, and and a lot of the best um, Batman stories have always been that you know where <clears throat> you know it, Batman tries his best to you know he doesn't and he doesn't necessarily want to fight everybody. He wants to to save people. That's his whole thing, right? Um, and and I think that even with the Joker, the homicidal maniac, it's it's the idea that. Like, I'm not a killer. I can't do that. I can't cross that line. And I like stories. And it's funny thinking about, like, you know, the idea of, like, the one bad day. And DC's been doing the the one bad day books with all the other villains. Um, which I, 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 full disclosure, I have not read those yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for, like, a gigantic omnibus version of it. Because I'm certain so that that's just coming. read everyone's bad day. Yeah. Right. Uh, but because um, I think that the Joker having a bad day, and that's what turns him bad um or turn, turns him into who he is because i i think it's interesting to have that concept because um joker even says like you know you you know you had a bad day too once you know i i can tell by by the way you look the way you act the way you talk and 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 because obviously bruce did have a bad day you know and i like the idea that bruce can counter him and and say no i yeah i had a bad day but i didn't turn into you you know and i'm never going to turn into you and yeah. And I think that that's obviously what separates Batman from the villains, but it's also what's most interesting about these characters, isn't it? Because they're, you know, Batman, in a way, is, is just, you know, two clicks away from being one of them, but he yep. chooses not to be. Whereas, like, mm -hmm. you know, Harvey Dent gets the acid splashed in his face. Well, you know, there's no justice in the world. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to kill everybody now. 
you know, poison ivy, you know, people don't care about Mother Earth. Well, I'm going to make them care, even if it kills them kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, every one of them is is like a is a casted shadow of what Batman or Bruce Wayne could have been, yeah. um, which is why he has so many great villains, because, you know, that works so well for that character, especially because most of them are still human beings. They've got, mm-hmm. you know, something tragic that's happened to them. Um, some of them obviously have heightened abilities, etc. But the Joker's just a human being at the end of the day that right. just fell into some chemicals, right? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's why all of his villains always stand the test of time. Um, and yeah, the animated series did that so well and exemplified that. Um, and that's why I don't think he kills the Joker because it would yeah. it makes no sense for they are you know he's uh, maybe one bad day away would have been a, a really cool storyline just off the top of my head thinking about like if all of Batman's villains are almost like they had that bad day that caused him to do that mm-hmm. where Batman if he had a bad day could have ended up like the Joker could have ended up like Harvey Dent Two-Face etc maybe that's how Joker could have exemplified that bad day by being like look at all these people that have had a bad day and that are literally just as fucked up as as you are and you right. you deny it but it's true you're messed up too like the only difference between you and me is that you don't kill people and we do yeah. And then somehow that's how he makes him want to kill is by using the villains as the crutch rather than torturing one police commissioner, which obviously is Gordon. It means a lot to him, but like, it's still just one dude, right. um, you know, or the death in the family. Again, that was, you know, using so many people that it overwhelmed Batman at that point, because he's like, this is everyone I love, not just one person that I care for. Yeah. This is every single person I've ever cared for. Um, yeah, I think that would have been a, a much heavier uh, burden on Batman to have to deal with. Well, it's it's interesting because I think that the best Batman stories have <clears throat> uh, the best Batman Joker stories that have come out since have been a, a variation on that idea of the one bad day, right? You know, you have uh, the Dark Knight, right, where he killed um, he killed Rachel and he and he scars Den and. Whereas Batman doesn't break, you know, that's his bad day too. The love of his life has been killed. True. The love of Harvey Dent's life has been killed. He does break. Um, And I think that's such a great, you know, and I, and I thought about that a lot where it's like, well, the killing joke, you know, it in a weird way has been adapted um, in a, you know, in, in the origin sense with um, uh, Batman 89, right. Where he falls into the chemical. um, And then, um, but there's no really like he doesn't necessarily try to torture Batman with that as much as he's just like torturing the city, right? Um, so there's no like one bad day there. But Return of the Joker is a great example where it's like I'm gonna take your partner and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take your son and make him into my son now. Exactly. And it's and it's it's fucking horrifying. Yeah. Um, and I always like, and I love that scene, you know, where Batman. And he like, laughs whilst he does it, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like when he know when he finds out that Batman's Bruce Wayne in mm. that in that flashback, and he goes, "I would laugh if it wasn't so pathetic." And then he was like, "Oh, what the hell? I'd do it anyway." Like, yeah. that is menace, and that is is just like the cruelest shit I've ever heard. But also, he's laughing as well because that's the Joker, like. I see the funny side, even though this is like some of the darkest things you could ever come across. 
I yeah. love it. I think, you know, uh, uh, let me ask you, do, do you think in, in the comic books, in the, in the animated series, do you think that Bruce, that, that or Joker knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman? Oh, I love that question. That's a good question. Um, there's been times where uh, I thought like he does um, and just like keeps it in his pocket because he doesn't want to to break the illusion that um, Batman is just this guy that exists in got this rich guy that just exists in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes to keep him more as this like mythical figure that he fights every night. Yeah. Um, there's been times where I'm like, well, he doesn't know because if he did, he'd use it against him because he's the Joker and he's so friggin' evil that he mm. would like any angle, he would just do it. And I think that's, you know, that all comes down to the interpretation or he, the final one is he doesn't want to know, which yeah. is kind of the one I lean towards now. Like if I had to give you an answer, I would say that he just doesn't want to know because it's not a priority for him. Yeah. You know, he's like, well, no, that's that that would break that would break my illusion of batman right. uh, for one if i knew who he was and also i wouldn't use that for anything like that spoils the fun out you yeah. know like that's what he would think so it depends there's so many interpretations of the joker as we said at the top of this episode that like you know there's a joker version for everyone and some jokers would want to know who bruce wayne that batman is bruce wayne or vice versa and you know use it against him others already know it and don't care and others don't want to know um and i like that it's kind of like his stories right like his his own origin stories you don't know which one's the truth or if any of them are the truth um but yeah my preference for my own joker that i love he doesn't care he doesn't want to know yeah and and i think you know it and I think it's interesting because it is up for uh, interpretation. Whereas in the um, uh, like death of the family, where you kind of think, you know, you're, you're not really sure what how much he knows. Um, and, and and obviously, when they do the end game story, you know, a, a few arcs later, it's it's explicit that he knows. Um, but um, and then you know, all that got like, and then they had their minds wiped and all that weird stuff that happened yeah see that. and that's another that's another comic trope i don't like where it's like they know everything and then it's like well we can't progress the story any further with him knowing who he is so let's right. just do a quick mind erase oh he bashed his head so hard he forgot yeah like yeah, i'd yeah. rather you know, like i've always hated in stories where someone is knocked unconscious just to be able to move the plot along mm-hmm. like there's more creative ways you can do that instead of being like, oh, I was somewhere and now suddenly I wake up and I'm somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, that's just yeah. to me, that's lazy. Well, that's uh, it's funny. Um, my friend Zach, who hosts um, uh, Always Hold On to Smallville, he keeps a tally of things that happen throughout the series. And one of them is a knockout, keep Clark secret. <laughs> and I, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember how many he's on right now, but I think it's in the triple digits <laughs> where it happens wow. almost every episode where, you know, somebody gets knocked out that can't find out Clark's secret so that Clark can fight the bad guy. And then later it'd be like, Oh, you know, Oh, you got knocked out, but you're in the hospital. You're okay now. And it's like, you know, I, I, I guess the best profession to have in Smallville is being a doctor at <laughs> Smallville Medical Center. Because <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot of head injuries. Exactly. Uh, so neurology is the top, uh, <laughs> top profession there. Um, <laughs> but the, um, it, but I also love uh, like the under the red hood story where, you know, it it's it's kind of implied the Joker might know 
because he straight up find figures out that at the very least the the red hood that's beating me up is the robin i killed years ago you yeah. know and there's a great line where he says the uh the boy came all the way back from the grave for this reunion you know <laughs> yeah um, that's a great line yeah and so in an animated it, film as well oh i i love the i love the film um and i think that um uh, that's actually, uh, and I, I got to meet John DiMaggio at, at Comic-Con years and years ago, and I told him that was my favorite performance of his. You know, other people might say like Bender or Adventure Time or something, but I'm just like, right. know, Joker was amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, John DiMaggio's in this Killing Check movie. Is he not? I, I think he's the... Uh, the he's uh, he's um, the, the gangster, isn't he? At the beginning. He might, he might be, actually. I, I don't know, because... Like you, I, I I don't really watch that <laughs> bit anymore. I I skip ahead. Um, if you made me, if you made me watch that beginning, JJ, and you didn't watch <laughs> it, I'm gonna be well pissed off. No, no, yeah, I, he's, I, he's uh, in it. I, I, uh, I, I, no, I think you're right. Um, because I was thinking he was the 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 owner, the carnival owner, but I don't think that's him. I think that's Fred or however you say his name. Yeah, no, I think he's the in the beginning half where he's he's the. He's one of the gangsters. Oh, I'm scrolling through IMDb right now. He's got so much stuff. Jesus Christ. I'm better off just going <laughs> searching killing joke than joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah, because he popped up as I was watching it because I, I, I bought it when mm-hmm. it first came out um, on Amazon. And they always do, like, if you pause, they give you the list of people yeah, that are in it, like the creds. Yeah. Uh, and I saw John Gimaccio and I was like, who is he? He's, Fran- he's Francesco. Um, that is... If that's I'm the not... that's the that's the villain at the beginning. Yeah. That's the villain. Yeah, that's the yeah. one that like fancies Batgirl and like right, right. Basically treats her like a sex object, and, and then the the whole movie treats her like a sex object after <laughs> well, that. No, you know, and I think that that's one of Alan Moore's strength or weaknesses, I should say. And one of his weaknesses is is writing women, like the even the way that the wife mm. is written in the story. You know, she's like, she's like, you make me laugh. You're good in the stack. I'm just like. I've never dated a woman who tried to no, cheer me up by saying I don't that. think a woman said that since like 1952. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's very like stay at home middle America housewife from the 50s. Right. And and I think it's and and also when Batman is is looking for the Joker in the movie, you know, he goes up to the, to the sex workers and and Oh yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. And and it's funny to me that he keeps showing like the picture, right? He's like, you know, I'm looking for this guy. It's like you can just fucking say the Joker, man. Like, <laughs> like, hey, have you seen this guy? Like, hey, let me get a look at him. Uh I don't know, man. A lot of people look like that. <laughs> you know? um, nice shade uh, of lipstick. I'd I'd wear that. <laughs> but you know, and then the the one of the prostitutes says, you know, well, usually he comes around here. And then and then he goes off to do whatever he does. Yeah, before before it's even in the papers that he's escaped from Arkham, he's here. Yeah, like yeah, looking looking for some tail, I think, or something along those right. lines. Like and I just kind of like Jesus, Joker's a horny motherfucker, right? <laughs> like he busts out of Arkham and then he wants to to bust out of something else. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I and and even that, like you know, not not that I'm or anything but i'm just like i don't think i like that for the joker like i don't think i think of the joker as being like asexual in a sense right like he just you know because even like with um uh mad love right with harley quinn you know and by Mm -hmm. the way that isn't that her one bad day 
Um, yeah, true. You know, she, you know, like, you know, she's like all like dolled up and, you know, dressed in lingerie and everything, you know, don't you want to rev up your Harley? And he's like, yeah, get out of here. I'm figuring out how to kill Batman, you know? So, right? Like, it's brilliant. Too- I love that so much. Oh, yeah. I yeah. love, yeah, that whole scene and her singing to him, happy birthday, Mr. J. It's yeah. So <laughs> Turn the lights off, let's play. It's right. just brilliant. Um, and she's in a giant, like, puddle of pudding or like a pool of pudding yeah it's it's so good it's just paul dini at his finest but um yeah going back to to all of that um yeah i think what was the point we were making fuck i've totally lost track of what we were talking about (laughs) um the oh yeah joker like being uh, yeah exactly and like being a horny dude when he's really more asexual i agree i think it's weird like obviously he's still got you know, he's still a human and he's still got needs. Um, and that's where Harley comes into play. Um, but you know, relationships to jokers is just another form of control and manipulation. Like that's the whole point. So him just going to some sex workers and looking for, you know, a quick romp in the sack or whatever, (laughs) like that seems weird to me. Right. Yeah. And there's even in, um, so Frank Miller, when he did, uh, Batman and Robin, I think it was all-star, all-star Batman and Robin. Yeah. You've got Joker with like a prostitute and he's got like this dragon tattoo and there's, (laughs) and it's so, I'm like, what's going on? Like what, why is this the Joker? That's the guy that does this. Um, yeah, I, I, I find that weird. You're right. He Alan Moore can't um, write women very well and, and never has. And he does, like, objectify them, you know, quite a bit, which obviously what this movie does as well. Yeah, that, that whole scene seemed way out of place. From joke, yeah. from Batman asking, have you seen this man? Which is hilarious because yeah. it's the Joker. <laughs> like, yeah. Everyone knows who that is. Right. Um. And even if you don't, you could probably take an educated guess just by looking at a picture. It, it's it's such a like something that like Adam West would have done in this in this series, right? <laughs> yeah, he would have carried true. around a, a wanted poster yeah. and been like, you know, have you seen this man? Yeah, and and people would have looked at him and been like, oh, hang on, let me get a good look at him. Yeah, that's uh, when like they would have had a cameo from like Sammy Davis Jr. or someone back then. You know what I mean? They would right. have just been like, let's just this is the moment where Frank Sinatra can cameo in this scene, right? Um, yeah and yeah just the whole yeah sex worker thing and that's weird like that would be the last place i would expect to see the joker yeah and and i get what they were trying to do with with those two scenes where batman busts into the 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 club and then when he uh goes out and when he talks to the sex workers they're trying to uh, pad the story a little bit and have batman be actively looking for the joker it's just it's such a an odd way to do it considering that they could have just had him going to his old hideouts or it could have been a cameo from Harley Quinn in, in that story. And, and it's a weird thing that those uh, adaptations did that I think they, they ended up doing better later where they would be like, well, you know, we, we, we got to be as faithful to the book as possible, you know, from, but we got to pad it a little bit because this like 48 page story isn't going to translate to an hour long movie. So that's why they had the, the, the Batgirl, prologue and I, I still think they should have just done the book though right like they should have yeah. just been like all right okay it's going to be half an hour long like that's your killing joke that's what you're going to get yeah because yeah to sit through another story i i viewed it as like um when back in the day like when parents used to 
go to a double matinee and they'd take their kid and they'd have to sit through the fucking boring kids movie to mm. get to the movie that they want to watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I felt like I was watching a double matinee and the first film I did not care about and didn't want to watch. I just wanted to get to the second film. Yeah. Um, and that was so weird because I'm like, this is the killing joke. It's it, so it, weird. And, 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 and again, they, they're so slavish to the material when it's like, well, you could have adapted it and put in, like I mentioned before, the, the DC first story where back yeah. over it meets the Joker. You could have, because the Joker not even being a part of the first, the, that first part doesn't make any sense because. Or just not do it at all. You know, well, just, yeah, do, just it, do the killing joke. Yeah. Or if you're going to do the killing joke, like expand on that aspect of it and have like, you know, have cameos with Robin and Harley Quinn and other characters because, you know, why the hell not? Like, obviously, yeah. Alan Moore doesn't give a shit. You know, that you're in. Yeah, or more Batman and Joker encounters that could kind of like lead up to the ending, where mm -hmm. at the ending, where obviously we don't know if he killed them or not, and it's implied, blah, blah, blah. We've already talked about it, but, you know, maybe having those scenarios take place earlier in the film, you're like, Okay, I could actually understand that there is no hope for this dude, and Batman does have to make a hard choice and would actually strangle him in that moment. Yeah. Because we've just seen all of these encounters happen. Because for half of this movie, dude, I'm like, I kept on having to say out loud, this is the killing joke. It's going to get there eventually. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not, yep. it's so, Joker's not in the movie for the first half. It's so. And has nothing to do with the storyline. No, it's so weird. It's uh, it's bent and broken. I don't know why they did it. And and also um, they 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 give Barbara this this gay best friend, who is it's it's he's like kind of an offensive gay stereotype. I think. yes, he is. Yeah, like he's, I mean, he's, in 2016 they thought they were being progressive, but now in 2023 you're like, uh, oh, this this is this is bad. Stop it. No, no, well, no. Even, this is bad. He, even in 2016, the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, like this." He just feels like, like, well, we got to have the gay guy in there, right? Like, like, yeah, like an episode of Friends or something. It's like, well, we got to throw in a gay guy to, you know, yeah. for the big laugh, right? Exactly. Like, we got to, we got to. He's a, he's a box ticked basically yeah. by doing and, that, which is not a reason <clears throat> to put a character in. Like, there's not right. a reason to do that um, because, yeah, then you fall victim to stereotypes. Uh, and, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and you could argue that Batman and and that the Joker is like kind of death of the family that he's in love with Batman anyway. So, you know, mm. there, there's there's your quote unquote gay character. Um, um, yeah, I mean I, that that would again exploring that more instead of the half an hour uh, objectifying Barbara Gordon would have well, been way better yeah. to see because uh, it's the story's yeah. about Batman and the Joker. It's not about Batgirl, right. and that's what I didn't understand. I was like. You are going so far to the other side of this that it's it's still outweighed. Like I said, they were trying to get rid of the thought of, oh, Barbara is just this person that's just this helpless girl that's just shot down and then like yeah. cast aside and she's just in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. But they just went so far with it that I'm like, you're you're objectifying her in another way now and it's even worse yeah. than what you were trying to avoid um the, the one other thing i wanted to talk about was uh, a cool little moment that i haven't noticed until now is mm. when um batman's in the bat cave and he's looking at the bat computer and there's all these pictures of the joker and they're oh, all yeah. 
they're all famous comic book covers mm-hmm. for one like famous joker stories but also there's an ode to nicholson's joker where he's got mm-hmm. the sunglasses on and he's in like the deck chair with like the the drinks and stuff like the tropical drinks there's an ode to ledger's joker the one in the jail cell with like yep. his his green jacket on or vest um and there's an animated series one which is just the hideout of the joker Oh, the uh, Lafco or something. The Lafco, right? yeah, 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 and that's and because I was like, come on, you've got to have an animated series in there. Yeah, yeah. And I saw it and I was like, that's what it is. It's Lafco. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. No, I, I I always thought that that bit was cool, and it's it's one of those things that it's you know uh, I always kind of joke about Batman eighty nine. I'm like, well, you know what the funny thing about eighty nine is that like nowadays movies like comic book movies they'll throw in as many Easter eggs as they can think of. Um, Whereas in in eighty nine, like they were not thinking that, like even even in Batman Returns, there's like no Easter eggs. You know? uh, yeah. um, and there's uh, a reference to Vicky Vale. That's it. Yeah, right. And um, whereas like nowadays, you know, we kind of benefit, and in creators when they make these movies, they know that that we're going to pause it and we're going to analyze every frame of it, right? You know. Well, maybe not maybe not us, but like people online will do that and we'll watch sure. their videos. But hey, man, they, Michael Keane's coming back, and that—that's exactly that, right? Like they're yeah. they're playing into that, and I'm there for it. I'm I'm going to be first in line when uh, when I go to see that movie, even though Ezra Miller and everything that's happened there, which I won't go into, yeah. is just so compromising and makes me like wonder why why am I going to see this movie? But Keaton Keaton's my my Batman, so I'm going to go see it. Uh, well, on, on that tangent for a second, from where I'm sitting, it's like Ezra Miller's crimes, they, they not ev- everybody else shouldn't be punished for that. So the hard work that Keaton and Sacha Kaye and, um, and the you know, entire go, crew, that made you know, them, the, like, the yeah. unsung, yeah, the unsung heroes of the, of yeah, the yeah, set yeah. designers and costume designers. You know, and, and you're the right. Yeah. People, they they shouldn't be punished for all that. No. And um, that's just not going to be the Flash anymore. So they, yeah. Go. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, like, yeah. And I'm not going to go see it because of Ezra Miller. I'm going to go see it because my my Batman's in it. I mean, Kevin yeah. Conroy is always my Batman. When I say my Batman, I mean my live action. Plus, mm. Keaton was my first Batman. You know, yeah. I, I saw Same. Keaton before I saw Conroy. Um, so yeah, I I I'm super excited about that but yeah that's easter egg heavy because they're you know they're pulling on all of that nostalgia and and putting it there'll probably be tons of easter eggs not just from the snyderverse which it looks like from the trailer there's a load of snyderverse easter eggs from man of steel and and all of that which i'm strangely like i don't even like those movies that much but i'm strangely excited to (laughs) revisit those scenes and i'm like when i saw zod like I don't, again, that's not my Zod and Michael Shannon did a very good job and Man of Steel was an okay film, but not really that great. But when I saw that, I was like, let's fucking go. Like that's <laughs> Zod, holy shit. And yeah. there's no Superman? Like, oh shit, yeah. this is crazy. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought the same thing. Like, I, I really like Man of Steel. Um, although I think there's quite a bit of it where I'm just like, eh, a little too much. Like we, we've seen yeah, like- Let's cut this down, yeah. Yeah, we've seen like a thousand buildings fall down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it. I mean, yeah. But then I watch something like Donna Superman. And I'm just like, oh yeah, Man of Steel has nothing on this. In my <laughs> yeah. Um. But it's yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to that movie. So, uh, and I think yeah. that'll be great. Um. And 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 it's cool. And I and I'm 
really hoping that Ben Affleck and uh, Michael Keaton have a scene together. Because like that would be great. That like, would be really can, cool. How can you not? If you're gonna Spider Man No Way Home, it like come on, man. Like just just one. Now, just give it one scene. <laughs> uh, have you heard the rumor about another Batman having a cameo in this movie? I I have heard that, and I have a very hard time believing it. <laughs> I do too, but apparently um from a source that is not named but um has worked on these films uh, mm-hmm. according to this source's imdb um they shot whether they use it or not which i think is a bit of a cop-out because it's like well yeah you could say you shot anything and if they don't use it be like well we shot it they chose not to use it yep. so i think that's kind of a cop-out but apparently this person shot a scene um a quick cut scene maybe it's like in the credits or something like that as a post-credit scene of uh miller's flash racing in and sees batman from behind you just see the cape and the cowl and like the silhouette of batman mm-hmm. and he he's like bruce we gotta get going like we gotta whatever it is like there's some line where it's like this is urgent and the batman turns around and it's Clooney, not Keaton. yeah yeah, that's the that's the whole deal, which if that happened, man, like, you know, again, like Batman and Robin, like is is everybody knows what they'd like and don't like about that movie and mm-hmm. all the satire that goes into it. But I'd still I'd be like, this is awesome. This is yeah. like, that's so cool. I love that. My uh, this is like uh, I want to make like a meme of it because uh, I've been thinking about this for a long time, like that uh like the batman is is the best version of like the detective batman right you know um but i was like well there's always been bits of detective stuff in in all the movies and it's like you know because in the first movie uh he figures out that well if this compound mixes with this you know if, if hairspray mixes with deodorant then it turns and you die from the joker poisoning yeah love uh, that it's one of and, my favorite bits that movie right and and then in returns, he's uh, <clears throat> he's doing research on the penguin, and he figures out <clears throat> that the uh, <clears throat> that the that Cobblepot is the circuit boy that killed some people that they were trying to cover up. Batman Forever, of course, you know he's solving the riddles. And then <laughs> in uh, Batman and Robin, he gets handed a picture of Poison Ivy and Bane, and Bane's just like. With, in a you know, trench like, coat. And, he's, and he's like this is definitely the same pair that sprung trees i'm like great detective work batman how'd you figure that one out someone shows him a picture of the joker they're like do you know who this is he's like, he's like hang on let, let me look i'm gonna i'm gonna flip on the bat lenses and access the bat computer doesn't really look familiar but give me a day or two i'll get back to you yeah brilliant um but yeah i uh, that would be pretty awesome to see uh uh, you know, because I I think that yeah, if, if Clooney had been given a better script, he would have been an amazing. Guy. Um, Absolutely, and look, this is our, look. I'm, I I know this is the end of the Snyderverse, which I'm not going to cry about. Um, I'm I'm slightly intrigued about where this new DCU is going. Some yeah. of it gets me intrigued. Most of it, I just I I feel a bit fatigued over a lot of this stuff now and everything connected and universes and blah 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 blah. But ultimately, it's Batman, so I'm there for it, and. Yeah. It's our no way home, right? Like that's what we're getting as Batman fans. We're getting a no way home. Yeah. And I couldn't be more excited for that. And I also love just from watching the trailer that I know we're going to get more 
of a history of what's happened to Keaton's Batman since we last saw him. Mm-hmm. Because in No Way Home, we got Garfield and Maguire showing up as Spider-Man or Spider-Men, which is great. Yeah. But we get we get no progression of their story. Like we get nothing about what they've been up to for the last 15, 20 years or whatever since we last yeah. saw them. We only get I was in my universe and now I'm here and I had an Uncle Ben too and yeah, I had a Gwen and I had an MJ and okay, let's go fight our bad guys, you know? But in this, just by seeing Keaton's suit vault, you're like, that's a scuba suit, that's an Arctic suit, that's this suit, that's this, and you're like, this dude's like, he's been through some shit since we last saw it. You know, and like, what happened to Alfred? How did he die? Because they're going to have to explain that. At least I hope they will. There'll be a, a line or two yeah. where he's like, after I lost Alfred, <clears throat> you know, that's when it really started to go dark for me. Maybe something like that would be, right. you know, but at least like, okay, you've been fighting crime still. You haven't just been like, hey, I'm in this movie now and you haven't seen me since 1992, you know? <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and I think, uh, yeah, and and that that always uh, annoyed me a little bit about No Way Home too, because it's like it's like oh, what are some of the craziest villains you fought? It's like oh, it seems like you've met some of them, and then and then it's like oh yeah, and, and I think that they, you know, it would have been cool if Andrew Garfield had been like yeah, there was there was I had a guy with octopus arms too or something like that, like exactly right like, instead of being like I fought a dude in a rhino suit once, and I'm like no 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 no, <laughs> like uh, that's the worst choice you could have made ever. Yeah for who you fought like right. yeah it's like that was like 10 years ago man who have you fought since then you know exactly go dark <laughs> go like yeah go dark with it and be like uh i i fought a dude in like a black symbiote suit as well or yeah. like but my guy was red i don't know like something like that you know right right that would have been cool i mean it's you know some sometimes it's like i think they they overthink these things when it's like you know we, we yeah. you know you know, but whatever. Or maybe uh, they read it because they're like, hey, if this does really well, maybe we'll get to make more of these movies with these people. So we don't want right. to throw in a name like The Vulture if we can do a movie with The Vulture and Tobey Maguire like Spider-Man 4 was supposed to be. Right. So maybe that's just studio interference being like, don't name anyone because you never know what will happen. We might make these movies. Right, right. And they're, and Sony is inexplicably making a bunch of Spider-Man yeah. <laughs> spinoffs. And- yeah. And we all saw how that turned out with Morbius. So, <laughs> oh, I can't believe there's a Craven movie, and he's like a hero. Yeah. It's gonna be, it's gonna be one of those movies. I already know it, where he's not going to be a hunter. He's gonna be like anti-hunting. Like my dad was a big game hunter, but like I'm different. Yeah. And something's yeah. gonna happen to him where like he's gonna have to hunt, but he doesn't want to. I can just see it now. And the lion mane that he's wearing on his back was like the lion that like killed his dad or i don't know something stupid like that you right, know what i mean right. like they'll just make up some bullshit and i'm just like just make him a bad guy and put him <laughs> in a spider-man movie what are you yeah. doing right it, it's it's just bizarre behavior and uh, like or it, like just i don't know behavior is the right word but like bizarre studio choices like yeah we have the rights to these characters we might as well use them and like but you're spending a lot of money and and nobody wants it you know yeah i i I don't get it just put him in a spider-man movie just he is a spider-man villain yeah it's like it's like what dc did with black adam where they were like at one point the the future of the dc universe was on the shoulders of the rock you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and they were treating black adam like this 
character's going to change the universe as you know it. And I know that was a lot of him pushing that, but like right. that's the marketing behind that movie. Everyone right. got on board with that, Warner Brothers. And I was thinking that would be like Marvel taking a, like a D-list Iron Man villain, like, I don't know, like um, Cyclone or like whatever his name is, <laughs> and being like, the future of Marvel is going to change forever with tornado man or like what you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah what that's so weird yeah no it's it, it's very very strange um where it's like and don't get me wrong i like black adam but it's like black adam is is great because he's a shazam villain and there's a contrast yeah. there he's and, not even in shazam 2 no and and apparently that was dwayne johnson he said he didn't want to be in shazam 2 which is kind of some bullshit like Blaze okay my like mind. Like, but that's promotion for your movie and then a future sequel that you're now not going to get to make because you didn't want to play ball. That's kind of yeah. fucked up. But. I mean, it would be like coming this fall, the condiment king, and then <laughs> he's not in the next Batman movie because he's like, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to keep on going as condiment king in my own steam, you know, well, in my own universe. Right. Well, now I hope that Dwayne Johnson plays condiment king in the Batman <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty great yeah. that would be i can see him in that like pickled outfit with the <laughs> mustard and ketchup gun that'd be funny one of, one of my favorite batman lines which says all right mustard man or whatever your name is. <laughs> your name is <laughs> yeah i love that so much yeah. that's and such a just, great episode and you know that alfred was super pissed when when bruce showed up and had a um um mustard stains all over the bat suit you know <laughs> alfred was like what the fuck was going on today, yeah. like blood is one thing but this is the ketchup. <laughs> but ketchup come on <laughs> um yeah. well alex this this has been such a blast getting to getting Thanks, to talk dude. to you and uh you know and I'm, I'm a big fan of both of your shows uh with you know spider-man and batman because I, I remember just, i was on a big spider-man kick i posted another spider-man show uh but i was like I wonder if there's any like good like Spider-Man podcasts out there anyway, and um and I found yours, and I was like, oh, these two British dudes are going on and on saying how <laughs> they grew up with Spider-Man, and uh, it's like their definitive Spider-Man, and I was like, you know, me too, you know. So that was that was fun to uh, uh, to find and and finally get to meet you. This has been this has been a real treat. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me uh, on the show. It's been a lot of fun. I love just being able to like talk like this. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said to you before, like not being because I'm the host of both shows. Like my brother just shows the fuck up, right? Like yeah. he's just <laughs> like, all right, what are we talking about? You know, like, and I've got a whole thing and like an agenda. So being able to do that on your show, just show up and talk, it's been a lot of fun. So I've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I'm glad you found our shows and you enjoyed them. I sometimes wonder, like, even though we grew up in America and we lived there for so long, um, especially me, I lived in, you know, New Jersey and the East Coast for 17 years of my life. Mm. Um, I always wonder, like, when Americans find two British people talking about, like, I mean, Batman and Spider-Man are, you know, the biggest names in, in comic book history and right. huge brands of their own around the world but i sometimes wonder like if americans are like what the fuck do these two english guys know you know what i mean like <laughs> they don't know shit um, so yeah i'm glad that like you know that didn't happen with you at least um and yeah it's a lot of fun so if you guys that are listening haven't checked it out go check out batman the animated series podcast and spider-man the animated series podcast both both i host with my brother 
um, who I mentioned is a professional comic book artist and writer. And if you can, go check out his Kickstarter. It's for Outbreaks, which is the first zombie anthology series. Again, it's like Black Mirror. There's all these different stories told that all have to do with technology being the main thread that weaves them together. And this happens to be the same thing, but with zombies. So there's some really cool stories. Like the first story he's releasing is a, like The Great Escape meets the zombie apocalypse, where two guys wake up in the drunk tank and have to escape the jail cell that mm. they're locked into. But it just so happens to be the first day of the apocalypse. So not only do they have to figure out how to escape, but once they do, there's zombies on the other side of those baths. So if they stay in the jail cell, they'll starve to death. If they escape the jail cell, they might die. They have a very high risk of it. So it's a really fun story. Uh, it's got some dark comedy in it, like Shaun of the Dead style. Mm. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, and then there's another one uh, called Dead Eye Dick, which is uh, the first private invest investigator that has an eye transplant, but it happens to be a zombie eye that's accidentally given to him. So uh, it starts to give him abilities, like he can hear heartbeats, he can tell when people are lying, he doesn't need to sleep, he has like all of these enhanced things that help him, but then he starts to crave human flesh. So yeah. it's called it's called Dead Eye Dick. Um, and it's got a very film noir sort of Batman 89 feel. So those are the two stories he's starting with. There's other ones that I've co-written with him called Dog of the Dead, which is like Homeward Bound meets Zombie Apocalypse, which <laughs> is, is near and dear to my heart. It's about a dog trying to find his estranged owner, this little kid named Jimmy. They got separated in the outbreak and he's trying to get back to his owner. And he's got to brave the zombie outbreak when trying to find his owner. Um, so it's a great story. And I'll say right now, the dog does not die at the end. Like every other fucking book, the dog always <laughs> dies. Yeah. The dog does not die in this story. I will say, I will say that. Um, so yeah, go check it out, guys. It's called Outbreaks. It's on Kickstarter right now. Uh, you know, d definitely check that out. That sounds awesome, man. I'm looking forward to that. Um, thanks, dude. And uh, yeah, thanks again for being on the show. Um, and uh, to, uh, to all the listeners out there, thanks for joining us. And we certainly hope that you're not having a, a bad day because if you are, just stay away from me then, please. So, yeah, I don't want you to go crazy and take my child and turn them into your crazy child. And I already have a crazy <laughs> child, all right? Let's just, all right, that's enough. That's enough. I think we're done now. All right.